Hello friends, thank you for joining us and making us a part of your Lenten experience. Over the course of the next few weeks, we will be examining Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb offered as a sacrifice for our redemption. We invite you to join us this season through our Lenten study journal and in our Wednesday and Sunday gatherings. You can find more information on our website at ccgf.org. Here is the message from this past Sunday. Grace and peace to you. And what a time and a moment. Uh, being up early enough to uh, get here for this service, I saw a full moon in a dark sky. And uh, I do realize that this is Passover. And the full moon is when Passover was. That's why our Easter moves around. It follows the full moon. And on that first Passover in Israel, as they escaped Egypt, it was on a full moon that they left. And so not only is it Passover for the Jewish people, but the resurrection via the death of Jesus for us. A full moon rising. It reminded me of my childhood and watching the same thing happen. The moon move across the sky. I talked with my wife about that as we were having our first cup of tea and praying together. And it stirred memories. Pre-Christian, lonesome memories. Well, I'm thrilled to see you all here this morning. Let's bow our heads to pray together right now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you do come to meet us. Make us your very own. To meet us right where we are. Thank you for loving us as we are. Pray that you would take my lips, Lord, and speak through them. That you would take our minds and think through them that you would take our wills and bend them to your own. O oh Lord, and take these hearts of ours and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, the gospel passage that was read for us gives that account of Mary being the first one, Mary Magdalene, to discover that the tomb was empty. And she ran back to tell the disciples, and Peter and John ran to the tomb. John, being the younger, got there first. He was a young chap, and Peter came puffing along afterward. And uh, John looked in, but he didn't go in. But Peter came barreling along behind. He went right in and looked. And sure enough, Jesus was not there. But the grave clothes were very mystifying. I don't know if you've ever given it any thought, but if somebody had come and stolen the body, which was the first suspicion of Mary Magdalene, they wouldn't have taken to <laughs> the grave clothes off to steal the body. They'd have just taken the body, grave clothes and all. But the way they were laid out, John describes it with the wrap around the head, lying right where the head would have been, and the rest of the grave clothes laid out there. And then John stepped inside. 
It says, and he saw and believed. What do you think he saw? What was it he saw? He saw that it was as if the body had passed through the grave clothes. They weren't all unwrapped and scattered. It was as if the body, like beam me up Scotty, had passed through the grave clothes. When John saw, and he grasped that, and understood that something miraculous had happened, Mary comes back to the tomb later, and she looks inside, and she's still thinking, they've stolen my Lord. Jesus is there in the garden. And an angel visits her. How so why is she seeking the living among the dead? And as she turns away, she sees Jesus, but she thinks he is the gardener. Oh, dear Mary, why are you crying? Jesus asked. And she said, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where he's gone. If you've done it, please show me where he is. All Jesus said to her was, Mary, Mary. And she knew who it was. He just said her name. And Jesus knows us here in the same way. It would be wonderful if you heard him in any sense speak to you this morning and say your name. Harry, Margaret, Mary, Susan, whatever your name. I wasn't raised with all this information. It wasn't until I hit adolescence that somebody shared it with me. And do you know there are moments in time that are life-changing? Whether it's John at the tomb, who, by the way, it just crossed my mind this very morning, as I reviewed this all again, that two of Jesus' favorite people were in on the resurrection. Mary Magdalene first, and then John, the disciple whom he loved. Moments in their lives that were never, ever, ever, ever forgotten. I just mentioned this because it's key to the rest of what I want to say. That there are two words in the Greek language for time. One is chronos, from which we get in the English language chronological, or a chronometer. And that just measures time passing. Like the moon moving. Time passing. But there is also another word for time. It's kairos. And it literally means a moment in time that changes the whole course of history. You've had those moments, as have I. And I could spend a lot of time having some fun with you talking about them. Moments in time that change the course of your life. Someone you met, something you heard, some incident you were a part of. 
some sermon preached, a moment in time. And I want to take the record of this miraculous weekend, the weekend that changed the world, and see it through the eyes of a border guard between Ukraine and Russia. It's amazing how those nations are very much in the, the news right now and the kind of misery that uh, is being experienced. I had been with a group of about 20 Americans down in southern Russia at a city called Rostov-Nadam. We had flown into Kiev, taken a train, which was a long ride through the night, to Rostov-Nadam. And we spent about a week there preaching in a series of special meetings. And then we were due to come back on the train into Ukraine, back to Kiev, and other cities in Ukraine where already preparation had been made for large rallies and gatherings. And it was while we were down there in Rostov-Nadam that there was trouble in Moscow. And some of you may remember this. But Yeltsin, the image of Yeltsin on a tanks addressing a crowd in Moscow. We were down in Rostov-Nadam. And can you believe it? It's hard to conceive. Our train tickets were cancelled summarily by the Russian government because of trouble in Moscow. And we had a retired Marine general with us who explained that whenever there's any real trouble in a nation, they, they, the first thing they do is protect their borders. He said, we may not be able to get out of Russia. Well, we'd certainly had our train tickets annulled. We rented this old bus. Don't even think of an American school bus. It was a rainy, wet night, and the roof was leaking. And we were driving through the night. A little Russian car with a Russian in the driver's seat, who was a Christian, was going ahead of us. We got to the border, still pitch black, still raining. And the Russian guy went ahead of us to the border and explained to the Russian border guard that he had this busload of Americans who amongst them was a very famous American speaker. Moi. They, he came back to the bus and said, they want to hear you speak. I was dozing in the back seat, laid out. <laughs> what am I going to do? We all poured off the bus. I came with my Bible. And we walked up to the border. And they had the border guard lined up in uniform. One chap was on this concrete platform with, I guess, an AK-47, one of those rapid-fire machine guns. There is a sense in which when they say you preach, you preach. <laughs> what am I going to say? So I said the obvious. I said, I want to sh share with you 
the most famous verse in this book, the Bible. What do you think it was? John 3, 16. So I said it from memory. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I said the first statement here is that God loves the world. I said for God loved to love the world, if love is real, he must love us one at a time. And this is all being translated into Russian, line by line. So a 10-minute talk takes at least 20. And we weren't there for some long sermon. So I said, for God to love the world, he must love us one at a time. And that means, and I went right down the line of the soldiers, eye to eye. That means he loves you. 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 About a dozen of them. And then I said, let me tell you how much he loves you. He so loved the world, he sent his son. And Then I remembered that what we call the year of our Lord, which measures time from when he sent his son, that was 1991, that year. The wall had come down in Berlin. And we had access with the gospel to the Soviet Union. Now here I am at that border telling them that 1991, which they were called the common era, measured time, chronological time, from when Jesus came. His son. God sent his son. And I said, for 30 years he lived in anonymity. Nobody knew him. And then the last three years of his life, he took a high profile. And he began to preach and teach, feed the hungry, heal the sick, raise the dead, give dignity back to prostitutes. He became so popular, so popular, that the government determined they had to, leaders had to determine they had to get rid of him. Well, you could almost see them nod at that. They knew how that worked in Russia. And they put Jesus through this kangaroo court, I didn't use that word, through a phony trial, and condemned him to death. And they killed him on a cross. And I didn't just dis say the description, just say, you know, they crucified him. Because these young men had been raised in 70 years of atheism at that point. So I said, the way they killed him was nail him to a crossbeam of wood. And I described that. Nail his hands through the wrist. A man would curl up his body in agony. And they drew down the legs, drove the spike through the feet, hoisted it, dropped it in a hole in the ground and wedged it there. And there he died. But in the wonder of God's love, 
you know, that's how much he loved us. He made it possible for us to be forgiven. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. And I went right down the line again. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. Then I came to the whoever believes in him. Thank you, Lord. Listen to this. Do you know what the Russians call the first day of the week? I know you don't. We call it Sunday. They call it Vaskrisenia. That translated is Resurrection Day. Can you believe it? The Russians who don't mind changing anything, you know, like autocratically, left the name of Sunday, which we call it, as Vaskrisenia, Resurrection Day. In fact, if you said in English, and I heard it because it got translated through into Russian, if you said on the Sunday he rose from the dead, in their language you would have heard Vaskrisenia, Vaskrisenia. Well, they had no idea. Fancy calling it Resurrection Day. What was that about if you don't know anything else? So I said, three days. The reason you call, the reason you call it Vaskrisenia is three days after they killed him, Jesus came back to life and walked from the grave alive. And that's why you call, it was the first day of the week then, the first day of the week now, Vaskrisenia. And if that's the case, that's the truth. Jesus is alive and he's here at the border. He's alive here at the border. He is here. We don't see him, but he is here. And he loves each one of you as much as the day when he died on the cross. I went down that line again. And they're standing there like wide-eyed. They're just, they're under command to be there. And they're standing there in a line, just looking and listening. Because everything I'm saying to you, which is taking me, what, about 10 minutes? is translated into Russian. Then I said, if you want that gift of eternal life and the forgiveness of all the filth and rottenness in your life, you can ask this living Jesus to come into your life. I said, I'm going to speak to him on your behalf. I said, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes to shut out any distraction. And my words, you can make your words speaking to Jesus, who's right here, right now. And I prayed it very simply. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for meeting me here at the border. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for offering me your forgiveness. Thank you for offering to me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and fill me with yourself. It was about as quiet as this room is right now after I prayed that prayer. When they heard we had Bibles on the bus in Russian, suddenly they all wanted one. So 
we got permission to go. What, what we needed was permission to go through the border. They said we could go through, but they wanted a Bible each. So now we're walking back to the bus where we had stashed underneath boxes of Russian Bibles. And my interpreter's walking with me. He sort of never left my elbow, so to speak. And as we're walking back, one of the guards fell in stride beside us. And in the syntax of Russian, translated into English, this is what he said to me. This is the moment for which all my life has been waiting. This is the moment for which all my life has been waiting. You know what kind of time that is? Kairos time. A moment in life, his life, that changed his whole destiny. I've often wondered where that, that border guard is now, 20-some years later or so. I guess it's closer to 30. To put that in context, a number of years ago, it will be in context, I got a telephone call. I'm in the kitchen. The the phone is on the wall. Those are the days. Long, long lead, so you can wander around the kitchen, still talking on the phone. And the voice said, is this Dr. John Guest? I said, it is. She said, are you the John Guest who was preaching in Kiev in 1991? said, I am. She said, praise the Lord. And I could hear that Eastern European sort of sound in her voice. She said, listening to you, I was born from above, which is another translation of born again, incidentally. Born from above. All those years later. And that was an encouragement to me to believe that that border guard is still walking with Jesus. A moment in time. I had that moment in time, age 18. Most of you know that. Have you had that moment in time where you step over a line from darkness to light, from death to life? If you are the one person here this is for you, the moment for which all your life has been waiting. Let's bow our heads and talk to the Lord, shall we? Oh, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving me. Let me pray in the first person so that each one of you can make this prayer yours. See Jesus right where you are sitting and say to him, dear Jesus, Thank you for meeting me here at Grove Farm right now, this early morning, and loving me as much right now as you ever did. I need you, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me my sins. Fill me with yourself with your spirit. Thank you for the great gift of life that's forever 
and forever full beyond measure, that gift of eternal life. Fill me, Lord Jesus. Fill me with yourself. Take possession of me. Thank you for a moment like this to get real with you, to begin again with you on this resurrection day to ask you, living Lord Jesus, to take a hold of my life and lead me in the same way that you have led so many others into the kind of fullness and joy and fulfillment of you in my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>